Hello, and welcome back to the Whole Brother Mission Podcast. I'm here for an impromptu episode about entanglements. Uh, I'm sure you, you've heard <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I haven't even brought you in yet. Don't laugh. Uh, okay, um, sorry. <laughs> uh, impromptu episode about entanglements. Uh, the recent Red Table Talk with Will and Jada has got the world talking. So I have my thoughts and opinions. I think it's really important to, to unpack some of these themes. There's humor. But there's some serious stuff going on, too. So I have my input, but I also wanted to bring in a, a newlywed couple of uh, friends of mine to give some of their perspective of Will. So welcome in to the Whole Brother Mission podcast, The Cars, Jessica Woo! and Darius. How you guys doing? Lovely. Glad to have you. So obviously we can talk so much about uh, Will and Jada, this Red Table Talk, August Entanglements. You know, I thought that the word of the year was asymptomatic, but it definitely <laughs> it definitely is entanglement now. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll get to that. So you guys are newlywed couple married during the coronavirus pandemic. So uh, yes. you can uh, we'll start with give the audience your story, how you guys met, uh, how you got to the engagement and then the wedding during the coronavirus. Ooh, right. <laughs> yes okay so we first met when we both were in college and I was um putting on like a gospel explosion concert and someone had um someone mentioned Darius's group and was like hey you should invite this group so I invited his group I met him then that was in 2010 yeah 2010 um was when we first met we kind of didn't really do much after that but i really enjoyed the group so i followed his music um and there's is a music artist for better known as boo daddy <laughs> and so um from there after following his music um a few years later i found out that he did like graphic design web design stuff like that so i hired him to do work for my church, um, like our media department and all of that stuff. Um, and basically, I was just sending him work constantly. And then, you know, I developed the crush. And so while I'm hiring him to do work, I'm like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. You're so great. All of the things. And um, eventually, I think it was 2013 or 2014, uh, is when you decided to write a song and yeah, add me on it. So there was a song that he had wrote and was looking for a female voice to add to it and decided to hit me up. And so I felt like that that was like the starting of the friendship part. Um, after that song, I asked him to help me like start a business um so i started like a t-shirt company and he was designing for me um and pretty much putting all helping me put all the pieces together and after that i feel like that business relationship blossomed into a friendship and then that friendship blossomed into us dating granted me stalking him kind of but (laughs) us dating and then um Eventually getting married. So we mix business with pleasure. <laughs> I would definitely do. say, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like somebody hired their way into a marriage. That's, um, that's, like, that's a power move right there. What happened was, uh, I believe I saw what I want and I went after it. And that's what, um, you know, that's what people do in life. You know, if you see something you want, you go get it. And I was like, well, she paying half my bills already. So <laughs> You know, so and it wasn't just me, like anybody I meet who needed something, I will refer them to him. Like I was doing referrals at least once a week. I was trying to support you, show you that I could be a good help meet. Absolutely. That's and what I, I can, was doing. I can attest to that. I remember there was an event that I was uh working on. I had to present at and something fell through with a photographer and Jessica was there. And they were like, yo, we need a photographer. <laughs> and she was like, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. So, yeah. you know. See? See? <laughs> so I think that's a lesson alone. Obviously, we're going to cover a lot of relationship stuff. But a lesson right there is it's okay for women to shoot their shot, too. Hello. That's a lesson. Yeah. Slam you know? dunked it. Yeah. 
you know, it's a difference, I would say, between being thirsty and shooting your shot. And I think you can decide where you fall on that, but I see you I see you shooting your shot, and obviously you got that swish because here we are, you know, married. How long has it been? How long have you been married? Uh, almost four months next four months week. Four months in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tomorrow. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Ready? Yep. All right. Got them days right. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, four months in. So, congratulations on that. So, uh, that's that's the background. And I know some might say, well, why don't you get a couple that's been married longer? Well, I think, you know, there is a new way that I think this generation goes about relationships. And I think that is why a lot of them are connecting with how people are viewing Will and Jada now. You know, they have this common language of transferring from a marriage to a life partnership. And to me, a lot of that language makes things a lot more loose. And just to give my my context on some of this, I do see what I feel like I've seen is we went from a very high commitment culture in terms of relationships to a very gray area where you have situationships. People don't really know what it is. We just are either sleeping together or talking a lot. And we're getting away from labels because apparently labels labels ruin things. And I don't think that that's all the way true. And I do see a level of, of damage that comes from not defining what's going on. Uh, both men and women's feelings, I think, can end up getting hurt. And it can be a lot worse, too, when things aren't clearly defined. So, and a lot of that plays into the, the August and Jada and Will thing. So, of course, they dropped this Red Table Talk uh, impressions. Uh, individually, could both of you speak to it? Just what was your first impression of, uh, I guess, the news that August broke with, with sharing it? And then Will and Jada's response uh, on Red Table Talk. Well, for me, because I'm a little more... Uh, tune into culture and what's going on. She be like, "Who is August? Ain't <laughs> it July? August?" Like, so she she's less in tune. So she didn't even know who August Alcina was. Um, you know what he did, and I had kind of been following this since um, before the Red Table Talk when they was kind of posting online. Um, just kind of saw some things that I was like. You know, had my head turned on back then, and even on Red Table Talk when he came a few years ago, um, I was like, they they seem a little a little close, um, and I didn't want to speculate anything. But uh, so when he said it, it was just like, oh, okay, so they did. You know, that's why she even asked the question, Angelique, because everyone was speculating already. So I was kind of in that number who I was like, all right, that's just confirmation, and then. I figured she was going to do a Red Table Talk, but um, to me, the Red Table Talk was good, but um, they're they're very um, emotionally intelligent, the Smiths, um, so they know how to word things, how to say things, how to put things that's very PC, very politically correct, and I thought it was a very politically correct Red Table Talk, because even as a videographer... I can tell they talk way longer than 12 minutes. And if you look at the cuts and um, how it was cutting back and forth, you can tell they edited that thing like a lot. So they probably said some things and they was like, nah, we can't have that. We can't bring that out. So they just put what they felt like answered the questions of, um, you know, most of the world who's been speculating. So to me, it was, it was a, they didn't have to say anything. I'm glad that they did say anything because they're the Smiths have a reputation of whatever comes out. They just don't say anything about mm-hmm. it. They just kind of let you uh, figure it out. But I feel like we're in a transparency generation where they need some sort of, uh, they value transparency and uh, honesty and realness. So I think though it was politically correct, it was needed. Um, and it a problem because I think it's the beauty is in that we even got a red table talk that fast because mm-hmm. had this been the nineties, early two thousands, you would have had to wait till they did an exclusive interview. Yeah, they went on sixty sixty or uh, <laughs> uh, was it sixty minutes? I'm sixty saying. minutes in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. That's it. 
Oh, it, they, you'd have to wait for them to find the right platform. It would have been months later. They would have had to go on a... But now, with social media being in your own hands, you can literally just address people right away. So she didn't have to go on Oprah or Montel Williams like they used to do back in the day. Ricky um, Lake. Peace. So I think that's the beauty of the generation that we're in. Where you can you can go right directly and address things on your own platform. So yeah. Well, for me, um, I was I'm just gonna be honest. Um, I was just there for the tea. I was being um, petty and nosy. Um, you know, I was like, "Oh, say what, girl?" Um, but then after watching it, um, for me, it was a bit emotional too because. Um, the look on Will's face, I've seen that look before, um, and, uh, like, I felt his pain a little bit, um, just because I've, like, been in, uh, an emotional entanglement, if you want to call it that, or whatever, um, but I was the offender, um, not the offended, or the victimizer, not the victim, and so, um, so I, so I sympathized, you know, and I could, you know, I wanted to see the reconciliation between them versus, you know, a public display of something that, in my opinion, is very private. But since it was already put, they are public figures and it was already put on a public platform, it had to be addressed publicly. So. Absolutely. So we can get to some of the nitty gritty, so to speak now. So I think let's kind of walk through uh, different perceptions or understanding of what's happened so far and feel free to chime in. So my understanding is that what was articulated during the red table talk, at least from, from Jada's point of view was that her and will were together. Um, mm -hmm. She finds out about August through her kids. Um, August has a lot of stuff going on, emotional health, mental health, physical health, uh, family issues, career issues. And she and her family begin to connect with him on a deeper level. And he becomes a part of the family while she's still with Will. Mm -hmm. And then at some point along the line, her and Will separate even though they're already connected to August. And then that family relationship that brought August into the picture now because becomes something that Will's not a part of and then goes a couple steps further where Jada and August uh, get into a relationship. Somewhere down the road, the door with Will opens back up and August is frustrated with that and then cuts Jada off. They haven't talked for a long time, and then all of a sudden, here we are with him saying what he said to Angela Yee. Is that how you saw what happened, or are there any, any kinks there, anything I missed, or is that what you're hearing, or what did, what did you get from it? Well, I my, my understanding was that, like, Will and Jada were, um, before August had came into the picture, that there was, uh, they were on the brink of separation at that time. So it was. Am I not clear about that? I think it was all sort of in that same. Okay. Because a breakup can be over years. Like okay, you start falling apart. You know, and the pieces don't completely fall for a few years. Mm -hmm. So it might have been in the midst of all the craziness as well. Okay. Um, I don't think they were a solid front when he came in, but I don't think they were separated at that point either. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it was it was in the mid, you know, they called in translation. Okay. Yeah. So, but everything else, yeah, I agree with. Okay. Cool. So I'm not crazy. <laughs> no. But, um, <laughs> On point, yeah. So then we have, uh, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. They said that they had separated. It was a mutual understanding. They even said that the reason August said that he had Will's blessing is because he probably knew that Will and Jada had mutually agreed to separate. So if they mutually agreed to separate and Will described it as, I was done with your ass, is how Will described it, mm -hmm. then what's the problem with Jada getting involved with someone else? Well, I think it's 
So, who has the problem? You talking about from the viewer's standpoint or from Will's standpoint? Well, a lot of viewers see it as a okay. problem. Do you agree? And if so, what is the problem? I I do agree. It should be. It's a problem in the fact that it had it been a hundred percent resolved. So we all know. We all you know. Most of us been in relationships where you go through some things and you have that that limbo stage where you're mm-hmm. you're you don't know if you're broken up. You don't know what you stand together. Well, legally, they never got divorced. They were still correct legally mm-hmm. married. Correct. Um. So I think that's where it, it, the problem lies is, you know, she didn't resolve one issue or the other before getting involved in another situation. Mm-hmm. Entangled in another situation. That's <laughs> that word again. <laughs> yeah, she didn't untangle what she had with Will before she got <laughs> entangled with August. So I think that's the problem because if it was it was completely untangled with Will, then it wouldn't have been a, a way for him to come back in August and then get mad that he was back. Mm, if she was completely done, mm-hmm. then they would have freedom to really do whatever they was going to do. But, you know, my, my thing is, I don't think she was emotionally done. She August was really, like she said, she wanted to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the issue is what it was for August versus what it was for Jada was two different things. Yeah. Um, The problem is he expressed himself, he's hurt, he's broken, and his healer emotionally kind of used him. Yeah, took advantage um, of him. Because, well, did she say she's his healer or whatever? He saw her as that. And when someone helps you through something, you can develop emotional feelings. Absolutely. And you're seeing it as, now I think the permission thing was will not discarding it. I think when he came around, he was hanging out, he was coming to the house, he was with the family, and Will not saying no, I think he took that as permission. Permission. Because he was like, okay, he let me around his wife and we hanging out and he ain't really saying too much. So, I think he cool with it. So, I think that's his way of you know, I got permission from Will. But, um, for the for the most part, I think it was just the, the anger is Jada, like I said, she seems very predatory. Like, she's 20 years older than him. Um, he has issues with his mother. This is very documented. Because he came out with a documentary probably in the last month or so. He's been releasing episodes. Mm-hmm. Him and his mother have a very strange relationship. His mother had him very young. So she was about Jada's age. Um, and she used that to make herself feel good. And then when it was time for her to go back to Will, she was like, all right, going back to Will and kind of left him out there to dry. And that's where he was like, wow. And probably he came out and that's when he did the interview and, you know, he stopped calling her. So I think that's where the anger comes in. Yeah, because he's probably reliving that same trauma from the experience with his mom mm-hmm. through through her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I think that a lot of people are looking at it differently in terms of how they're describing Jada. Some say predatory, some say entanglement, and some say it just it turned into something unintentionally. I will say when I first saw what was happening, I was like, it doesn't seem like she went in with the intent for it to be a romantic relationship. I agree with that. Her marriage started yeah. getting shaky, and then it turned into that. And I think yeah. from that point on is maybe where the people that are saying it's predatory, even though it might not have been the intention, when she realized that it was turning in that direction and um, he had issues he's had, I guess that's where they're saying the predatory nature comes in. Where are you guys, in terms of if you do see this predatory, where is that playing itself out or where did that come into the picture? I mean, for for me, um, because I've been in a situation where someone older than me manipulated, you know, my vulnerability or my naivety, um, that, that is my, that's where it becomes predatory for me because, you know, if he's in this vulnerable state, that means she knows pretty much every piece of him that is, um, that self-loathing, um, every piece of him that, you know, that 
that he dislikes about himself and is trying is in a process of trying to rebuild that so the moment you step out of trying to um be a healer or something like that and you don't separate personal feelings like any counselor will tell you they have to separate personal feelings and emotions or whatever from themselves and whomever they are helping or counseling or supporting and the and the moment she stepped into herself and her feelings to support him that's where lines got crossed things got great and you know you then look and are perceived as predatory because you are aware but still broken now she is broken but it looks selfish and predatory because She's like, well, I have this opportunity with this individual who's in front of me when ultimately that time was needed to resolve her internal whatever she had going on and do that somewhere else. Like, yes, you can be a helper, or a healer to someone else, but for your own individual healing, you need to then go to someone else, not someone who is like, that's just like a parent going to a child for support. I could see a child going to a parent for support, but then you're, that parent needs to then go to someone else who's on their level, who is above them emotionally, spiritually on another level that you can now grow to or get to gain to. And that's kind of what you see here. Like August was emotionally on a lower level than Jada, and he's trying to grow and aspire to get to that level where then she needed to grow and aspire to get to another level. But then you have to have someone ahead of you you know, reeling you in, you know what I mean? Um, kind of like a mentor teacher or something like that. And that wasn't the case, you know, where you turn around and you come back to, you know, it's like a teacher and a student. That's, it's, it's always looked at as predatory or selfish in nature, in my opinion. Well, too, I think it, it sends him backwards as well. Yeah. Because if you're dealing with mother issues and it's confusing, you know, you, it's another woman you trusted and thought, you know, had your best interests and you loved, and now, especially the fact that she's older as well, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, like you said, he's reliving that, and it kind of can send him backwards, you know, if he doesn't get the right help after that, like mentally, um, if he's not seeking um, unbiased, like biased help, I guess, from a ther therapist or counselor at this point, then he can have trust issues for the rest of his life, dealing with issues like that mm -hmm. so i have i think an interesting opinion on this i found a lot of hypocrisy in how people are responding to this and here's why it's it's weird because things that i don't see normally protested or spoken up on have now become an issue as it relates to august and jada for both of them respectively and here's what i mean by that we hear this conversation about uh predatory nature um in terms of jada and august um her being the predator and i think that's a good thing but so often um while we're criticizing criticizing jada for that we've seen this before and it's not necessarily in this case an age thing because technically speaking he was of age but I, I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure many of us, whether they're in our circles or at a distance, have over the years seen men do this. Men have oh, been yes. doing this for a long time. Oh, yes. And it hasn't really been a community discussion, I don't think, where you have, I remember in high school, the my high school was connected to a middle school, and you had the seniors, the 12th graders, focusing on the middle schoolers. Middle schoolers, yeah. Um, And you have... Uh, I actually, I did a post about it. I said, it's easy to jump on Jada now for potentially preying on a broken young man. However, it's inconsistent if you didn't give that same energy to men you actually know who are sleeping with underage girls or targeting women that are financially unstable or have daddy issues. Like, we've been seeing that happening for a while. You look at Love and Hip Hop, you look at these music producers who really are just promising a woman in a bad situation to make her a star. But for me to get your music out there, you got to sleep with me. You know, we've seen so this happening. The whole happening. R. Kelly situation. Yeah, R. Kelly. We've seen this happening for so long, and it really hasn't been a thing. But then now everyone's piling on Jada. So I'm not saying she's free, but I'm saying where is the energy for this, for generations of men doing this? 
And then the other side also is, I think, understanding um, predatory nature outside of uh, it just being you're only a predator if the person's underage. Um, I think we have to broaden our understanding of that because Mm -hmm. it's very much so a thing where we can focus on someone um, because we see their weaknesses. Like I said, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you've heard this, Darius, but in the years, guys would joke about wanting to get with a girl that has daddy issues because you know that you can manipulate her. She's easy. Yes. So we know that this is a thing, but it's interesting that now the volcano erupts when Jada's doing it. But what about all the men that's been doing it? over these years but also here's a, a post that went viral um when the guy Kaz doc uh originally posted it but then i posted it and it, get, it wherever you see it it's getting a lot of attention he said august was sick jada wanted to feel good the real conversation we need to have is the catastrophe that happens when two broken people build a sanctuary in their trauma and call it a relationship yes so I think I want to shift now toward us looking at healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I wrote about it and I speak about it a lot, but I think for many of us, we have become used to unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And they really are <laughs> what he just described. It's like, well, I'm going through, you going through. And I think Jada resonated with so many people because so many people are in relationships just because they want to feel good. It's yes. not about serving the other person or adding to them. It's about what that person can do for me. And I mm-hmm. think if you take away August's health issues and Jada's marriage issues, so many of us are in similar situations to this. And we're one step from an entanglement or already in it because we're in it for that person to make us feel good. And I think that is a bad starting point for a relationship where you're wanting that other person to fill that void. I always say... Um, when you expect your partner to fix you, you're going to break them. Yes. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I I agree with that, and um, I I feel personally um you know connected to it because that's how um you know our, our relationship started in the beginning because I was looking for him to not necessarily make me feel good, but I was just like um. You know, I the the disconnect was that I didn't know myself. And so in not knowing like who I was, the persona I put out or, you know, the what everybody saw was totally a facade and not me getting down to the genuine like who am I what I've been through like and I I sympathize also with August because I've been that naive person yes still underage but someone took advantage of me at 13 and then spending like years in that and dealing with you know someone like being taken advantage of in like multiple different um settings or areas and stuff like that so so I get it Um, but I also feel like it's more to like the situation, like it's way more. And, you know, I just, I'm, I struggle with understanding, like, you know, from the female perspective, I appreciate everything, you know, that you were mentioning as far as, you know, Jada, not, um, the predatory nature, but it being on the men, like seeing that so many times and experiencing that on an individual basis, um, is something that I feel nobody does talk about. I mean, I didn't even tell my own family until I was like, uh, 21, 22, maybe. Um, and it was, and it was out of fear, you know? And so the fact that people can, take childhood traumas or trauma period and try to build a relationship around it. Any type that foundation is always going to crumble period. Yeah. I, I, you know, this it's definitely in, in our culture heavily with men. Um, it's something I've always frowned upon. Um, and I even have a song, uh, which crazy ties into it called I like you. And the song was about me 
and it was kind of just was she was kind of in there, but I was running against relationships where um, I have a lot of female friends. I'm, I have more female friends than I do male, and I help a lot of my women friends through situations. I you know talk to them, give them advice. I support them, their businesses. I help them grow, and that can turn into an emotional thing where they're like. So, you know, what about us? What are we doing? And I'm like, well, we just friends. Like, you know, and I made a song called I Like You. And one of the lines was uh, two wrongs don't make a right and two rights so hard to find. So if we both trying to heal, then let's pump the brakes right now. And just let it ride. So, basically, you know, I'm broke. You broke. Like, why would we even get together right now? And the premise of the song is. You know, I like the girl. I like, I, I, you know, I think she's beautiful, but I'm just not ready. And instead of taking advantage of your emotions right now, then I'd rather us just be friends until the healing is done. And then we can both come together properly. Um, so that is something that has to be addressed on a wider scale. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think... And I, too, I think because Jada is who she is, that's why um, the attention is on it. Even though we've seen it, you know, Pub Daddy and, and, and Cassie and you got, uh, um, it's a lot of different scenarios where you see the younger woman with the, the older, older man. Male. Yeah. Um, but I think because the Smiths have put this image out for so long of perfection, I think that's why it's getting blown up even more because of what they've tried to portray these uh you know uh, emotionally intelligent free thinking um do the right thing good you know good people um i think that's what made it magnified as well and to just to piggyback off of that is um i had a friend who said you know they're trying to normalize um dysfunctional relationships because like you said that image of perfection um that's what everybody sees so people start to say you know this is something that i want or this is something that i want to emulate like i want a relationship like theirs but what but they don't understand that what they have is dysfunctional and that's what most people have and no one's taking the time um and like we're discussing today to kind of sit down and um, do the work for yourself as an individual um, for the relationship um, to find out who you are, what you like, what you don't like, um, you know, heal from trauma, bad circumstances, vulnerability, set boundaries for yourself so that no one will you won't allow someone to invade your personal space to get to a point of an entanglement or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um so but we you don't see that so that's why the discussion is here and now and, and two just right quick um and I, I don't i can't say whether what they have is dysfunctional or not um because what works for every couple just because society is monogamous linear um they tend to think that way um they this very well work for them because yeah will look hurt but he also he backed her and came to her rescue because yeah. he could have denied he could have she could have been there by herself she could have brought gammy up there and they've been talking but he chose to be up there with her so it's some level of this works for them we just don't understand it but that doesn't make it dysfunctional i i see your point mm -hmm. <laughs> so there are a lot of people that are in situations right now that they don't know is dysfunctional. You know, we, oh, yeah. we throw that out there, but a lot of people don't know what dysfunction is. So if you could speak to some things that we may think are just normal, uh, some things that are just the ups and downs of relationships that may be dysfunction and maybe need to re reconsider. Well, um, I think, again, we, we are in a uh, monogamous society like that's that's what is widely accepted. Um, so 
the the ideal of two people saying, "Hey, yeah, you stepped out. Yeah, you stepped out. Um, or you have someone. I'm I can live with that. I'm fine with that." Um, I think that's hard hard for a lot of people to grasp. Um, because, but again, if you look at how they raise their kids, uh, they raise their kids very open, mm-hmm. very free thinking, very. Uh, I'm gonna let you choose what to do at a young age. Um, that's just how they operate, and uh, it 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 very well could be dysfunctional in the end when it's all said and done. But you know, there's still some there's some sort of functionality to their family, and they're still moving and still. Um, but like you said, some people can be in dysfunction and not know it. But I think. Um, the idea of two people saying, hey, we just going to be down for life. You know, we attached at the hip for life, but we just have a free way of handling things and going about things. Um, I think that's what made this thing so big to them. They're like, hey, we're good over here. We understood what happened. We understood the situation, but the world is blowing it up more so than we are. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I don't think August understood that concept um of what they had so he he's like man y'all some i gotta get away from y'all cause y'all i ain't used to this kind of stuff like you know here one day next you feeling this type of way and um i think that's what frustrated him was he thinking that she gonna detach from will mm-hmm. and attach to him mm-hmm. um because that's just the side that we live in like monogamy when honestly um you know, biologically, it's been proven that um, humans have an innate uh, thing that wants to be with multiple people. Um, you know, I doubt that it's only one soul. I don't believe it's one soul made for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just too many people in the world for you to find somebody in the city you grew up in or the city that you work in. And that just that's your soulmate. And they're just right there down the road. You know, I feel like you can have a soulmate somewhere another state another country another it's it's multiple multiple people that you connect with i think um because monogamy only came about um i think during the uh the the royal times when kings and queens like they started um doing monogamy because you had a king and you had a queen but for a long time in, in society it was very much a polygamous sort of you know multiple partnership type mm. of society Mm-hmm. Um, until about, and don't quote me on this, it was a few hundred years ago when it started moving over into one man, one woman for life. So I think that stuff kicks in biologically to where, even in tribes and stuff, where, where they don't have a society, you know, a culture, the woman is with multiple people. Um, you know, she makes children with multiple people, and they're fine with that. Um, you know, because biologically, that's that's a thing that happens. Um, so it's just hard for America to wrap their head around um, open relationships because everybody wants to be exclusive, just me. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm monogamous. You know. <laughs> Let it be known. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it is a thing um, that it, it, I guess the culture um, doesn't understand what they have. Well, I feel like dysfunction is, you know, if someone is emotionally unavailable and you are seeking that individual or you're in a relationship um, with that person, like the like the phases, like y'all are talking, but this person is emotionally unavailable. You have now placed yourself in a situation that is dysfunctional because Mm -hmm. you're seeking after something that someone just cannot give you. And you're going to eventually become frustrated and disappointed because they are emotionally unavailable. So, you know, for anybody out there, if you're in a relationship and that person is already married or with somebody else, or even if they just broke up, but they got a baby on the way and, but they, they're like trying to co-parent or something like that, you know, until situations are completely resolved or like they're still living together, but they're not together. Like I feel like being in those cross cross crossing paths that's um dysfunctional because you like i said before you're trying to you know satisfy something for yourself that someone they can give it to you for a time 
But once, you know, once your heart is like your emotions, your feelings are tied to this person, you're going to demand and require more from them. And they're not able to give that to you. And so in that situation, that's when it becomes dysfunctional because you are your function is to, you know, I'm not saying it's to be like monogamous, but it is to be um satisfied by someone else like that is your desire and if that's not being satisfied then you there's other avenues or there's like breaks in the chain that cause a disruption in how the relationship flows or how energy flows which in my opinion is kind of the definition of dysfunctional is when you know one party or both parties aren't receiving what they need from the other person and you kind of get this cross intersection um of you know, like miscommunication in how things are, are flowing together. So now I'll speak to another uh another thing that seems dysfunctional or out of the norm. Like I have my parents are broke like I come from a broken home and they split when I was about twelve, thirteen. Um but now my parents are really good friends. They both have significant others outside of them um and it took them a while to figure that whole dynamic out but now they're so close to the point where they go on trips together like my mom her boyfriend my dad his wife they hang out they they travel they go eat and they're around each other all the time my mom and my dad's wife are really good friends they talk about it every day just about every day. And for so long, people were like, you you really going to talk to his wife? And they were in my mom's ear like, you really <laughs> going to be friends with her? Y'all really doing that? And really try to get them to have a problem with the dynamic of their relationship. And I know that's a lot different from this situation, but um, I think, and they were calling that dysfunction. And I'm like, well, it's actually functioning because, yeah. you know, the kids ain't got to see arguing no more. They didn't figure it out. They're friends. They even all go to the same church. And, like, it's it's hard for people to see maturity. And, and enough good. maturity to, because people like when people go off, fuss, have drama. Have problems. They want my parents to have drama. They want them to be at it. That would be normal to them. Like, y'all split. You got kids together. You can't get along. Okay, we understand that because you're not together anymore. They can't understand that all of them just work together, you know, synonymously. So um, I think that's another thing that, you know, where they mislabel dysfunction or they don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that was a, that was a lot there. And I appreciate you guys for, for sharing all that. I do think that people do have a hard time seeing past what they've seen. And if all you've seen is dysfunction, then even if you see a problem with it, you haven't necessarily learned something else to to exhibit in your life. All you know is what you've seen. Um, so I, I'll share two more things that I think are dysfunction that we don't readily recognize. And then I want to close with you guys. Uh, so I'll give you a chance to think about it. But just some some things you've learned. I know you're only about four months in. But what have you learned uh as far as some wisdom for relationship dynamics, uh, marriages. But I, I do want to add that there, there's two things that, that concern me. Uh, and it's said a lot on social media. I've heard it over the years. Um, one is people talking about getting bored with people that are too nice. Getting bored with relationships that don't have time. And it's, it's very frustrating because it's kind of like, man... So you saying you want to cry, you want to be crying all the time, you know, and it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but people are actually clearly saying, yeah, I get bored if it's too, you know, so there's that. And then the other thing is, and this is, <laughs> this might be stepping on the women's toes, but unfortunately, I see a lot of women that say, you know, I want a hood dude that's romantic. And, you know, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's like, I think. I'm I can't even fully define the hood dude aesthetic exactly what it is. Um but I I'll say this. 
I think if you come from an inner city, inner city environment, the hood, ghetto, whatever you want to call it, that's that's fine. Um, I, I you know I, I come from that southeast Washington D.C. You know, not a nice area by any means in terms of the socioeconomic status and what was going on. However, um, I recognize that certain things that were common within that culture aren't necessarily things that I need to embrace. Similar to how we have to constantly explain to white people. Yes, the Confederacy may be our history, but that's not something to herald and embrace. Correct. Um, it happened, but I'm not going to own it as me. So in the same way, the dysfunction that I saw in relationships where I came from or the dysfunctional patterns I see in partners maybe from the hood isn't necessarily something I want to recreate just because it's familiar. And I say that because you guys talked about uh, I think it was Jessica that talked about emotionally unavailable persons, specifically men. You know, I write about that in my book, uh, Whole Brother, Debunking the Myths to Break the Black Family. It's a, it's, a, it's a real thing for men that have been through several traumatic experiences that eventually choose to cut people off emotionally. That's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is because we go through so much, whether it's at home or with previous relationships, we don't want to be exposed to potential hurt again. But at the same time, we don't want to be single either. So what ends up happening is I'm going to get into a relationship with a woman, but I'm still going to keep you at arm's length. I want to sleep with you, but I also want to maintain emotional distance at the same time. And that is a dysfunction that many men have that is so common that I think women have begun accepting it. Well, that's just how men are. You know, I've heard so many, you know, women say they feel like their husband or their boyfriend has a wall up and it's like, it's because he does. <laughs> He's emotionally distant because he hasn't processed through previous relational trauma. Um, and I'll, I'll even go as far as to say to many women, yes, relationships are hard and you have to work through difficulty. But I'll, I'm not going to say don't do it. I'm going to say be very careful and think long and hard about it before you decide to engage a man that is uh, damaged in that way. Because you'll end up having to play the role of girlfriend therapist and mother and that yes. ends up i think in many cases being very tiring um so yes relationships toxic. require work and toxic yeah so yes relationships require work but you got to be conscious of what you're fully stepping into and sometimes you can play the role that jada was playing originally as the helper and the friend and you need to keep it there don't cross that mm-hmm. line of turning mm-hmm. it into a romantic or sexual relationship because that's where lines get blurred so sometimes you can help somebody without dating them. And I yeah. think that's the that's the thing that people have a hard time with. They have a hard time helping someone who's also the opposite sex and attractive. But sometimes mm-hmm. you got to keep your distance. You know, I have a lot of uh, female friends and they're strictly platonic relationships. I get asked all the time if I'm sleeping with some of my female friends. And, I, and people are just so shocked that I'm not. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it, it, can, it can happen. Um so that's my rant on that. Uh, what can you guys contribute? Uh, and, of course, if you want to respond to some of that, that's fine. But go ahead and respond. And then let's close. I'll let you close out with some wisdom that you could share for people uh, dating or seeking to be married. Well, I just want to I will respond. <laughs> yeah. And she knows <laughs> to the T. That's been my uh, whole life just about. I've dealt with probably... Uh, I've dealt with five counts of infidelity Mm -hmm. um, from different women. um, And most of them said the same thing. Uh, You're too good. You're too nice. You love me too much. Mm. Um, You know, like, (laughs) and I'm like, come on. And then even, listen, I'm going to tell on you. Okay. I mean, (laughs) I was going to say it too because I said the same thing. She was so used to dysfunction Mm -hmm. that. One of her quarrels with me was, I don't want you to understand me too much. Yeah. You understand me too much. Right. Like, right. and I'm like, <laughs> so you're going to tell me, uh, <laughs> most women want their man to understand them and get them. And because I do, you you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you push and challenge me too much. Like, that's mm. these were her. Those are my words. The dysfunction. So. She would go reaching, and and some of the stuff is recent. Yeah, you still get through uh, some of it because I listen to her. I pay attention 
I'm a chill. He does. He um, does. But that's been the thing with all my ladies. Like, I've heard that. I want a hood dude. I want somebody to cuss me out. And then we, we have makeup sex. And, you know, like, it's just that dysfunction. And I'm looking at them like, really? Like, so, you know, I'm attentive. I make sure you're okay. I buy you food. You know, I make sure you're fed. Um, you know, Amen I take to places. I, you know, I, emotionally I'm available for But you want me to cuss you out for, for this to work. Um, you know, so I need to, I, I admit, I haven't read the book yet, but hearing that makes me want to go and get, because I'm an auditory person, so I was waiting for the, uh, the audio book. It's coming, man. <laughs> Just got the finishing touches last week. The audio book will be out in a few weeks. And All right. Yeah. That's why I was talking rock. I'm always in the car riding and going to shoots and stuff, but I want to ride to it and really take it in. But, uh, I just thought that hit the nail on the, on the thing because, I've been dealing with that the whole time. That too good, like they they look for dysfunction, mm-hmm. and I had to start learning um, how to pull that out of people early. Um, even just the early see, from from day one. Yeah, we went backwards. I asked the hard questions first, and then it got easy. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, listen, how your mama them? How your family? Like, are you crazy? How you grow up? <laughs> like, I wanted to know all, all that first. first. And then we get to the easy stuff, like which you know, what's mm-hmm. your favorite color? Uh, so yeah. yeah, but then okay, now we can move over to the yeah. Well, yeah, and I wanted to say that too because um, I wanted to say I was going to mention I have said that to him, like um, because I grew up seeing like, and I'm thinking about other young women who may have experienced this, like you know, if you come from like a broken home or something like that. My parents are together, but their relationship, in my opinion, was dysfunctional. So I believe people are, you know, used to dysfunction, if especially if you're seeing someone at a young age being in front of you, like a parent or a guardian, someone that's being like mentally abused or mentally abused or not necessarily physically abused but emotionally abused you associate that with love and even Mm -hmm. for me that's something that I associated with love that's what I've seen like you talk down to this person but they still stay you know you treat them any kind of way but they still stay you know so that type of programming is what I feel like contributes to you know this normalization of dysfunction you don't understand like like he was saying um previously like I didn't understand I I didn't I didn't it was no crying it was I mean he made me happy all the time like I didn't have to worry about anything he could he would basically be finishing my thoughts sometimes like he was like well you usually do this I knew you would want this so I just went ahead and did it for you I'm like who does that like Mm -hmm. it just seems too good to be true which i know something he's heard so many times before but he is a dream you know it's like something that you can't fathom um but it's maturity it's understanding what you want and this is just going to the final question that you had asked us you know what did you learn i had to learn me i think it's important Mm -hmm. before you get into any relationship before you try and just to be clear i've spent all my life in church and I knew everything about God, but I didn't know anything about Jessica. And that is the person that I'm in the relationship with. It's Jessica and Darius. And of course, God too, but I didn't know me. And so I didn't understand like why I got mad, what things made me mad, like, you know, what I like, what I didn't like, you know, all of those things play a huge factor, like not having boundaries. He had humongous boundaries because of what he's experienced in the past. And that made him like, okay, well, I know what I need from a person. But if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you need, what you may need from a person. So then you get into a relationship and whatever they give you, you accept and they can be giving you trash. But when you don't know what you need and you don't know who you are, you accept it and then think it's normal and mm-hmm. it's not. So that's my main thing. And that's something that I've learned um, and continuing to learn because we're continuing to grow is know who you are. Yeah, I think learning that um, early on, it was some stuff I hadn't dealt with uh, from other uh, relationships and, you know, dealing with other you know, bouts of infidelity and the guards I had up and 
Um, so bringing all them down, which it's kind of a gift and a curse because it makes you put up boundaries um, that most people don't put up, and it lands them in crazy situations. So the hurt did push me to to be more vocal, be more assertive, to be more, uh, you know, I'm going to speak my mind because in other relationships I didn't, and mm-hmm. it led to certain outcomes. So it, it was, like I said, it was a gift and a curse um, going through those things. And, and, you know, I'm just learning now is uh, patience. Uh, I'm learning um, <laughs> uh, grace and, you know, which is all stuff I, I've given before, but, you know, it's on a whole nother level now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's a thing of, of, it's a team. It's not, it's not just me. So if she hasn't figured something out, or she's still finding herself. Um, I can't say like you need to have to find yourself. I ain't got time to wait. Up. If she ain't there yet, I ain't there yet. So it's working with her to find those things and to explore that. Because I was single for four years, so all the work she's doing now, I was doing in that four years before her. So my last relationship ended in 2014. So I did a lot of exploration, a lot of, and I still do it every day. Um, constantly reading and. and uh, you know, taking in information that uh, will help me grow because I got to be uh, sort of one step ahead of her so, you know, I can That's leave. right. That's uh, right. You know, so I got to constantly be digesting things that can uh, th- that I can grow from so that way I can reach and, you know, pull her and, and so we can be on the same uh, playing field and, and learning leadership, you know, that's something I didn't even know was in me until I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once it started coming out, you know, she was like, you know, you're a leader. You're, I'm like, no, nah, I ain't. I'm just telling you what's on my mind and what we should be doing and where we should be going and, and goals I got. And I thought about it. Like, okay, that might be uh, <laughs> a leader. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, just learning myself even more, uh, even though I did all that work, it's still an everyday process. And, um, you know, learning that, you know, what we have is what we have. Like, it ain't got to look like that person, that person. They might handle their finances one way. We handle ours another way. They might handle this situation that way. But we don't have to do it like that. We can have our own um, our own set of rules. We got our own goals. It might work for them, but it, ain't, it, it might not work for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, just learning not to compare, but to be have our own minds, be original, and constantly be striving for more and better um, for ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think you guys have given us a lot to think about, and I appreciate it. These are really important things because, to be honest, I look around and people really are struggling with this relationship thing. They want them really bad and will do anything to get them. And I've often said that, unfortunately, we're at a point where people would rather have a bad thing, a bad relationship, than no relationship at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think what you've articulated, even with just four months into marriage, is part of the success at that is not even the marriage itself, but the individuals working on themselves. Yes. All the investment happens for a successful one before you even go to the altar, me becoming a whole person so that I'm not just pulling from you. I appreciate you guys joining us. I feel like you just came in and took over and I truly appreciate that. Give people a lot to think about. So in that vein, could you take us home? Say goodbye to the people however you want, but just be sure to end with this has been the whole Brother Mission podcast. Well, I want to thank all of you for um, listening in and tuning in. And I hope that you're, you were able to take something away um, from what was said today. And ultimately, um, we're hoping and praying um, for all of you that you are finding who you are as an individual, that you're growing and learning um, about yourself to be a better person, not just for as an individual, but when you become better, you become better for not just yourself, but for others as well. And I just want to say that, you know, with this topic, uh, don't miss the opportunity to have, you know, in, intelligent conversation about emotions, uh, about self-awareness, mental health. It's a lot of stuff wrapped in this will, Jada, August thing. Don't get caught up on the surface things, the sex, the entanglement, mm-hmm. the jokes. But it is a opportunity to have real conversation. And, you know, we're dealing with a black man with me- mental health issues and you know predatory behavior and 
all the above. Don't miss those conversations. Um, and it's a lot to be taken from this. So just dig a little deeper and, uh, you know, go a little deeper with your, with your conversations and your dialogue. So, and I, I just want to thank Malik for opening up his platform and uh, giving us the opportunity to come and share our thoughts. And uh, we just want to say thank you. And this has been the Whole Brother Mission.